11 o'clock. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, everybody. Um, welcome to New Freedom. Welcome to Position of Neutrality. We open every meeting of Position of Neutrality with a prayer, and Chaplain Lee's in the house to handle that. Come on and stand to your feet all over this room. All right. Father, we thank you again today for everything you've done, everything you're doing. We give you the praise, the glory, and honor for who you are. We invite you into this meeting tonight because we know, Lord, without you, we are nothing. You have taken us from the far to the furthest. You're taking us to a higher place in you. We believe, God, that without you, we could do nothing. So we thank you for empowering us. We thank you for strengthening us. We thank you for endowing us with the things that we need to survive, to make this life right. And the words tonight that come through your manservant, Lord. Let him speak with a clarity that everyone gets the understanding. It's not about us, but it's the power in us. And we know that is you. So we thank you. We praise you. We give you all the glory. Now have your way and do what you do best and wreck this place. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Lee. How many of you are happy to see Chaplain Lee up preaching with power again? He was feeling a little under the weather a while back. He's, he's back on his game. Um, anybody in here for the first time tonight? Oh, good. A bunch of you. All right. So first of all, welcome. Second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. And the primary reason that's liable to happen is we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do here, we've been doing for lots of years now. We take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? Yeah, the process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances, yes? yes, yes. So because this is their experience, the effort that I go to here is not to tell you what the book says because what the book says to you is none of my business. What I will endeavor to do is show you how I find my experience in it and encourage you to have your experience with it. And if we both do our job, we will share our spiritual experience in this room tonight. How many of you have been here before and know that's true? So, so those of you joining us online, they raise their hands. They raise their hands to signify that when we speak of a spiritual experience in 12-step recovery, we're talking about a sensory experience, tangible. You'll feel it. And when you do, I'll know. And I'll call it to your attention because we would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration of the power. Those of you that are new to this and you hear the chants, when I say God, they, they say power. So that anyone that comes in here with prejudice because of experiences they've had in their past, we want them to understand that we're talking about power in you to recreate your life. Yeah? All right. So tonight we're going to take a look at... Step four. There is nothing you're, nothing you're going to discover in step four that you don't already know. And there's nothing you're going to discover in step four that the power in you does not already know. But what you will learn is how to properly arm yourself with the facts about yourself so that you're a proper witness to that power's restoration of your life. Yes? All right, so, so we're at the bottom of page 63. And the authors start out with a bit of instruction based on their experience. It says, next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action. So the first question you might want to ask yourself is, who's the we they're talking about? The first 100s. And why do I call that to your attention? It's their experience they're describing, right? And they're going to tell us what they did, this process they went through in order to have this experience they describe. How many of you would have to describe your first attempt at a fourth step as something less than a launching? Oh, a lot less. More like a skid mark. 
And, if, and there were, there's probably a lot more people who just didn't want to cop to it. A lot of us stall that experience because we really don't know what's going to be discovered or what it's going to play into or whatever. But they're telling you because of the encounter they had in two, they asked that power they encountered in two to go with them in that prayer in three so it was meaningful. They knew that they were afraid to look inside. We've been looking outside of ourselves for the reasons our life has gone awry all our life. But I play a part in all of it even if it's just my perception. So I got to go figure that out and I'm going to need a power greater than me to do that and I've already encountered said power but if I have not encountered said power because it was not imparted to me or it wasn't called to my attention, I might not launch, huh? So the gravity of the mission we undertake here in recovery when we try and help people, when we people please and don't tell them the truth because we're afraid of how they'll respond to what we're trying to show them, we leave them in a dark place. Not because we intend to, because we don't know any better. So we're trying to empower thousands to be bold in describing and introducing people to this power that restores. Yes? yes? All right, so it says, the first step of which is a personal house cleaning which many of us had never attempted. Though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. Our liquor was but a symptom, so we had to get down to causes and conditions. So where did they tell us the power was found? They told us that when we had our encounter in two. And how did they tell us we were going to find it? Sometimes we had to search fearlessly. And why is that power obscured from me? Yeah, it's been obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship. My response to life and life's response to me. And all these inexplicable things that seemingly always happen to me and I can't dig out no matter how bad I want to. Anyone relate to that? But I also know I desperately need power to live because everything about my being shows that I need power to live. Yes? So I need full power. I need to find those things that have been obscuring that consciousness, my awareness of being aware of that power in and on me. Yes? So I'm going to have to get going. It'll start, I'll start to understand the launching now, won't I? How many of you were still in your addiction, but you'd been out for a while, and your dealer called you and had a fresh batch? Was that a deliberative process? Or did you get your fucking ass down the road and get it? <laughs> so I always know if people really understand that powerlessness admission is not a concept, it's an experience, because they're the ones who launch. If you understand, but I, when I finally grabbed this, I knew I needed to hurry. Because I needed a fix. Okay. All right. So it says that, therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It's an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. Sorry I read so long, because I know our attention spans are not good, always. But we have to give you the context and then we'll go in and deconstruct it and see where maybe some of our misconceptions are and where it makes logical sense to move into the process. Fair enough? Okay, so they said that this, just like a commercial inventory, it's a fact-finding and a fact-facing. So it's not enough to know stuff on the shelf is broken. I need to face the fact what it means to me that I have stuff on the shelf I'm trying to sell that's broken. Make sense? Compare it to your admission that you're an addict or an alcoholic, but doing nothing that would show that you cared about that condition. Maybe even using it as an excuse for the way you behave. Of course I do it that way. I'm, I'm an alcoholic. 
Does it make sense? So I, I, I found the fact. I didn't face the fact. Okay, and then it says that it's an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. Notice how they didn't say my truth or your truth. They said the truth. How many of you have discovered there's often a little bit of difference between your truth, my truth about you, and the truth about you? Uh, yeah, often vast, right? So it says one object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods and get rid of them promptly and without regret. I like people to focus on that because sometimes in our fellowships we give people the impression that it's all about that. With things like you're sick as your secrets and other little, those are partial truths. But if I'm, I mean, I understand where it came from is what I'm trying to say. But the fact is, that's not the object of the four-step inventory. Damaged and unsaleable goods are on display, and I'm the only one unaware of them. Yes? So the only thing I'm really doing is getting them out of the way of that what I started seeking for in the beginning. Where am I going looking? And how am I going looking? Sometimes I'm going to have to search furiously. And what's, what is the object of the search? The great reality within. So this is a treasure hunt, not a trash hunt. So those of you who fear for, listen, we ain't coming out till we got the treasure. So don't worry about the trash. There are no secrets in the realm of the spirit anyway. It ain't a secret to anybody. But I need, to, I need to know those facts about me so that I can flatly declare them to you because when you're feeling less than, and we can level the playing field. I too once thought and felt as you do. Yes? Okay. So, and then it says, I cannot fool myself about values. There are parts of my personality that I thought were valuable in another manner of living. Sarcasm. Deceit, false humility. You learn as you grow in the spirit that those are not useful. Yes? So I'm not, I mean, as I grow, I'm going to try and be honest about those aspects of my personality that may be my defenses for keeping you from really knowing who I am. Where's my people who smile at inappropriate times? See, that's an effort to disguise people, you from people. When you should be crying and you're smiling, they don't ever get to know the real you. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'm not going to go off in the weeds, but I just, so we can roughly identify what's up. All right. So it says, we did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. So the essence of the third step decision is that I was convinced that any life run on self-will could hardly be a success. Do you understand when they talk about self-manifesting in various ways, it's not words we use in everyday language necessarily. But anytime me as a human experiences fear that you'll like me or you won't like me or I'll be rejected or whatever, I may pretend to be something else in order to slide by you. When that happens, myself manifested. Any of you ever tried to pretend to be somebody you weren't in order to please some people who were probably never pleased with you in the first damn place, but now you didn't know who you were? Okay. So it's not hard to get convinced that self-manifests. And, and as we grow, how many of you have been doing this a while in the manner of living? You know, it's not all about staying sober. It's all about progressive freedom. And we still catch self-manifesting in various ways, don't we? Okay. So that's why it's a manner of living. It's not a one and done. All right. So it says resentment's the number one offender. Any of you mad at anybody? <laughs> I always like for people to think about how subtle this is. How many of you have somebody to this day you really would not like to see? You really don't like them. 
And you can bring it to mind right now. Look around the room. Is, are he or she here? So the fact is, you brought them in here. You see why resentment's the number one offender? Because you can so easily bring them into the room they're not in, and you'll suffer. Now, why do we not want to be free of that? Because we don't think it's possible, or we're not willing to make the effort? Just a question. I'm not giving you the answer. But it's the number one offender, and we just gave you a demonstration how no matter who, how enlightened we think we are, we still travel with some of that baggage. Yes? Okay. So from it stem all forms of spiritual disease. For we've not only been mentally and physically ill, we've been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. So we want you to take seriously the spiritual nature, the revelation of the spirit in you, because no matter how many times we treat you mentally and physically, if we don't straighten out the spirit, you got no foundation in your house. Does that make sense? So in dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. That's how they did it. How do y'all, up until you met this manner of living, deal with your resentments? Gossiping, complaining, okay. So it says, we listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. And then it says, we ask ourselves why we were angry. So try and follow the logical process there. The people, institutions, principles, I'm angry. Why am I angry? Yes? And they got some more questions for us. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem our pocketbooks, our ambitions, or personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. So we were sore. We were burned up. So they're telling you of their experience, the closer the relationship, the more likely it was to involve more of those things, the way I think about myself, the way I think about other people. Yes? Um, one thing I always like to point out to people, when they talk about our ambitions, are you the kind of person when you see people that you know having successes that you get angry about their successes because just, I just want to know because some of us have it. Yeah, we go both ways, don't we? So that means that my ambitions have been interfered with. But I'll spend a lot of my life not living in joy simply because I can't celebrate for your wins too. So it's not a, it's not a habit we want to perfect, you know what I mean? I don't care whether they're deserving. You know, how many of you have figured out you're living in God's favor? Let me tell you a little secret about living in favor. Favor ain't fair. So when people say, you don't deserve that, say, you're right. I don't. But I am walking in Papa's favor. I had people ask me, what qualifies you to be the CEO? Of a reentry center. I said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> there is no qualification for this job that I know of. I'm qualified by identity. <laughs> and favor ain't fair. <laughs> I understand you're feeling cheated. <laughs> okay. So, so then it says... Our, on our grudge list, we set opposite each name our injuries. Was it our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, our personal or sex relations, which have been interfered with? So it's another column that you're going to try and figure out how you're thinking, how yourself's manifesting. Does it make sense? And then it says, we went back through our lives, nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. Why? Yeah, really, when you decide to be serious, right? How many of you decided to be serious, even in the wrong direction? When you decide to be serious, nothing counted but getting ready. So if you're seriously going to recreate that which you torched, when are you going to get serious? That's, a, that's an inside job. We'll know it when we see it, and we'll know it when we feel it, and we'll do anything to walk with you through it. The other thing we'll do is we'll walk away from it if you're just gaming, because we know a game or two. We did that. Does that make sense? Okay. So when we were finished, we considered it carefully. Why would I want to do that? 
This is the testimony of what I was like, what happened, and at least an ideal for what I'd like to be like. And then the best judges of whether I'm achieving anywhere near that will be you people watching me, and you'll call to my attention if I'm different than what I once was. Yes? And most of you that have known me any length of time know that slow, but progress. Okay. So the first thing apparent was that this, the world and its people were often quite wrong. How many of you concluded that? We all conclude that. That's the first thing apparent, right? But how many of you have been stuck there? They're wrong. And I'm not backing out of my bullheaded position because they're wrong. But I'll bear the consequence. Any of you have been that, in that loop? Okay. So to conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. Have you found that once you're stuck, you're really stuck? Sometimes it was remorse and then we were sore at ourselves. Where, where are my folks that get really caught up in thinking self-flagellation is this key? There's actually people who feel like that's a redeeming quality to continually beat up on themselves, but the power of life and death is in the tongue. Even when you're not using this one, even when you're just self-talking yourself into them. Does it make sense? So it's a lie that you're anything less than he says you are. But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters God. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. They put seemed in italics. Why do you think they did that? How many of you thought you had won an argument and found out you lost the war? How many of you went to make a friend and you won the argument, but now you lost the friend? To make it just... Any of you just... You were so sure you were right that you just argued it till no one wanted to talk to you anymore? And then the other side of that is sometimes we found out that maybe we were both right and we just saw it different. All right, so it's plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To you all that are new to the process and haven't gone through this, they're saying declarative statements because it's written in past tense. They're telling you of a spirit experience they've had. So we're not telling you, if you've never been through this process, that your resentment and that experience you're having is some kind of fault of yours. It's probably the only tool you got. But we have some better tools as we arm you with the facts about yourself in, in this process. Does that make sense? I came out and lived for the hatred I had for the people who had done to me what I figured they had done to me. That's, that's my story. But the more I walked in this manner of living and had to serve others, I found that those tools of hatred and resentment and revenge were of no value to me in the new life I was living. Does it make sense? But someone gave me the dignity to walk into it. So they just, I once thought and felt as you do, but I doubt I'd made much progress had I not taken action. Does it make sense? Okay. So... It says, to the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that may have been worthwhile? How many of you have been stuck in that and didn't know you had a part in that? Even though you didn't have a part in the hurt, you had a part in the suffering after the fact. So what they discovered is they permitted it. The understanding now is we're talking to you about who's got a resentment. Do you see them in the room? Then who brought them in here? The understanding... I'm permitting it. I didn't even know I was given permission. Now, welcome to what delusion is. Does that make sense? Okay. But with the alcoholic, whose hope is the, growth, is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it's fatal. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit, the insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again. And with us, to drink is to die. So follow that thought. They said they found, and it's fatal. How many of you 
harbored some resentments in active addiction or maybe even early recovery, and you really didn't feel alive even though maybe you, from an evidence standpoint, you were alive. Any of you get to be that dead man or woman just walking around? So that's what they're talking about. I can die in the spirit walking upright. But life isn't much fun at that point, is it? So when I'm harboring those feelings, I'm blocking myself off from the consciousness of that power. Does that make sense? So it says that, that if we were to live, we had to be free of anger. I talk about freedom from anger because I was a guy who was angry. Not everyone I meet is angry. Some people, they're, they're angered or their fear does something different to them. But um, may seem impossible to be free of anger. How many of you have had moments where you're completely delivered from your anger and it really was quite a thing, something to aspire to? How many of you have had to return to it but didn't stay there as long as you grew? Again, progress rather than perfection. Yes? So the grouch and the brainstorm were not for us, and now they're giving us some tools. What do they mean when they say grouch? Yeah, it's an old English word, but it means pretty much what we all assume it to mean. I'm walking around complaining. Right? How many of you have been that guy? How you doing? Okay, for a Monday. It's one coming every seven days. You might want to get over it. Right? says they may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics these things are poison. So I'm setting myself, I know myself, to have this alcoholic condition. I've been redeemed from it. They're going to tell me later in the book, I only have a daily reprieve to continue on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. I've got to stop doing some habits, and I've got to start doing other habits. I've got to stop grouching brainstorm, right? I need to think about what I'm doing. I need to prayerfully move forward, and I need to... Constantly think of others and how to meet their needs. And if I will do those things, God will do the rest. Does that make sense? All right. So we turn back to the list for it held the key to the future. So what is the key to the future? What they tell me the prize was the truth. The truth is the key to the future. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. How many of you have been, if you've ever come to Chaplain Lee's services, he every once in a while goes off on a sermon for you about getting free of people. And he's not talking about not staying in community because he also preaches on being in community because we are meant to be in community. What he's talking about is do not condition your thoughts and feelings and actions based on people, other people's thoughts and feelings and actions. Always be considerate, but always get your direction from within and move in it confidently. Does that make sense? Because sometimes me moving confidently in the way the Spirit wants me to move causes other people to tell me to sit down. That's crazy, Joe. <laughs> if you don't believe me, try and open a reentry center in the middle of Phoenix. Okay, so in that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. How could we escape? So when they put a question mark, they expect you to go inward. Eyesight without insight, spiritual blindness. So how could we escape? They're going to tell you how they did it, and then you may follow them, right? So he said, we saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? Another question. How do you master your resentments? Well, let's, let's see what they did first. We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. So they employed the very plan most of us employ first. They tried to wish them away. Many of you ever tried to wish away the way you felt about somebody? Sometimes we do, right? So this was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. So where is my 
Spiritual sickness rooted. Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear. Yeah? Guilt, shame, remorse. Do I, are we share that in common, perhaps? So what? all the things I'm angry about them is I'm looking at them through the natural eyes and not through these eyes. And the whole point is to clear this vision so I can see what I'm doing. They're sick too. I don't like their symptoms any more than you like mine. But I can grow in, in a grace experience if I recognize that sometimes you'll tolerate mine, sometimes I tolerate yours, and together in community we'll raise each other up. Yeah? Okay. So we asked, this is what they did. This is, are you already going to yell? That's quick. Dewey, that's, you, you had a misfire. We asked God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. So important, guys, that you get what we're talking about here. When we say God, we ask power down on the inside to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience. In other words, I'm asking for power to act better than I feel like. How many of you have had that power and didn't know that it was granted you without asking? How much more could you do that and live more abundantly if you thought to ask? I just People start to learn to pray when they find out their prayers are answered and they work. This is simple instruction. Half of the people that wrote it were atheists or agnostics. But guess what? They found the great reality. And then they accessed that power and they became a new creation. Dedicated to serving others. Many of us in this room are in that same walk. Yes? So it says, when a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? Eyesight without insight. How can I be helpful? What am I seeing? Am I seeing my thoughts or am I seeing what's up? Yes? God save me from being angry. Thy will be done. So what's God's will? Whatever's going on. I'm supposed to respond appropriately. If I'm a change agent, I'm not going to do it by being mean. Right? I gotta, we got to move into what is. If I know they're spiritually sick and I was sent to them, then there's a healing that I have for them and they have for me. And the one that does the healings in both of us, the teacher and the student together form the lesson. Make sense? Okay. So we avoid retaliation or argument. So they're telling you the pitfalls. How many of you got engaged with somebody who was difficult? And you had to consciously avoid retaliation and argument? How many of you discovered that you sometimes are the one who's difficult? Usually when we're running into lots of difficult people, right? I had a sign in my office at the state that said, never argue with an idiot. People watching can't tell the difference. <laughs> we wouldn't treat sick people that way. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. We cannot be helpful to all people. That's an important thing to understand. That doesn't mean we got to go back to being a jerk to all people. It just says we can't be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one, which is what I really need anyway. Yes? So referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, we resolutely looked for our own mistakes. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Notice how they're chasing it down to where the self manifested. And then that common fear, the hundred forms of fear, right? Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-seeking, self-delusion, self-pity. We stepped on the toes. Remember that little section? This is my opportunity to find out what's true for me. So I'm not taking your word for it. I'm finding out what drives me, how I start acting in self-seeking ways, and how I find myself in a selfish condition as a result of that. Does it make sense? That's why you want to do it. You want to see what makes you tick. Though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. A little secret, it's often easier to do that with somebody else so they can help you sort out your thoughts. Where were we to blame? 
Another question mark. What's my part in this? And this is, again, not to say that you have a part in some abuse as a child or as an adult, but if you got through it, then your unforgiveness is still killing you. Does that make sense? And so no one's telling you what to let go of, but there's a healing you need that is only going to come by using your experience to help another. The inventory was ours, not the other man's. When we saw our faults, we listed them. We placed them before us in black and white. We admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to set these matters straight. Notice how they put it in order. How many of you that have done the step process multiple times did their thoroughfare step and you started seeing as it rolled out? I could admit that I had a part. The more of it I did, the more I could see I needed to go fix this to the best of my human ability, yes? Because it rolls out. Once I own my stuff, then it's easier to go figure out how to get untethered to it. All right, so, so it says, notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the, the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. So fear is a constant, it would appear, even when we don't recognize it as such. Any of you ever had sudden fits of anger or depression or whatever, you didn't know where it came from? It's, we, we like to blame it on external circumstances, but it's not. It's fear happening within us. Does it make sense? It's loss of identity, temporary loss of identity. So it was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. But did we ourselves, did we not ourselves set the ball rolling? So I need to go back to see what it was. What was the transactional nature of what I was doing in certain things that caused me to have a bad outcome with you? And if it's a, a hurt that goes back a long time, what do I think I'm gaining from holding on to that to this day? And if I could employ it to help somebody else fresher to the hurt, would it make more sense to put purpose in what I've already went through? Because it really comes down to that, doesn't it? I either went through all that stuff for nothing, or I could use it, every bit of it, in order to empower others. And if I do, miraculously, all that I thought was a waste was put to use. Does that make sense? Okay. So, it says, sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. How many of you have been afraid to start something because what if I failed? How many of you have been afraid to start something because what if I succeeded? Sometimes worse that, that way, isn't it? So it does steal time from us, doesn't it? It steals opportunity from us. So we reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper even though we had no resentment in connection with them. A lot of people skip that these days, don't do a good fear list. I would recommend you don't because not every fear is going to be discovered as a result of resentment. You've got fears that have driven you and your behaviors in incomprehensible ways all your life, and it's a good chance to examine them. How many of you are the kind of people that went to the bar or the trap house and just stayed there for hours even though nothing was going on because you knew if you left something was going to happen you were going to miss it? So the fear that we're going to miss something will cause us not to commit to relationships, not to put full work in. How many of you never had a good solid relationship because you were always looking for the next one while you were trying to build the current one. A lot of us have done that kind of thing. Does it make sense? So you might want to look at some of that stuff because that causes a lot of stuff and we don't even know it's happening. Yes? All right. So we ask ourselves why we had them. Why do I have that fear? It's an honest question. If, if countless redemptions from that have come and gone, why do I still have it? And then it says, wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? How many of you don't dare to want anything better because you never had anything better? Happens to us, doesn't it? So it says, self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. 
So the only component they're discovering they lacked was the power component. And I'm still judging my life from a powerless condition and assuming that's always going to be the outcome. But now, in this new manner of living, I've added power. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. How many of you had a relative amount of success and then squandered it? That makes it hard for us, doesn't it? How many of you had success in recovery and then ended up spun again? Makes it hard to come back, doesn't it, when that happens? How many of you knew all the answers to something? and So when it made us cocky, it was worse. Yes? Okay. So perhaps there's a better way. We think so, for we're now on a different basis. The basis of trusting and relying upon God. It's so important, guys. I'm not talking about theology to you from here. I'm talking to you about power, sensory power found inside of you. When we activate it, sharing with you, we share it and we feel it. Because we would cheat you to talk to you about that power without giving you a demonstration. That's why we try and pay attention to what's going on in our being while we're talking to you. Does it make sense? So we trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We're in the world to play the role he assigns. How many of you have been somewhat upset at different times of your life with the assignment you apparently have? So we all find ourselves there from time to time. Right? I got a crappy assignment here, big fella. But see, the higher purpose, the bigger purpose, the higher perspective is who better than you to play the part that is your life? What if everything that ever happened to you perfectly prepared you for where you're going and you're busy being mad about it? How many of you have grown to a point where you realize a lot of the things you went through that were horrendous have in fact been useful for others? How did you feel when you were able to lift someone up with that stuff? Did some of the weight come off of you? So it says, just as to the extent we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? Why can I match calamity with serenity? Because whatever I'm going through in the past, or in the present is preparing me for whatever future I'm granted. And I don't want to miss a moment of this lesson because I hate relearning lessons. It's still all human logic, yes? Why do you think we want to be in the here and now? Why do we th you think you go to every AA hall and they say one day at a time? Why do you hear all these old timers say, you're right where you're supposed to be? And go, oh, screw you. <laughs> There's a destiny for you. And, and your destiny is linked to many, many others. And the power and purpose to carry all that out is found in you, but it's not of you. Which is why you're going to want to improve consciousness, yes? Okay. So... We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our Creator... We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it's the way of strength. So we're really laughing at the ideal rather than the people because we've once held those silly ideas, haven't we? The verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. What do they mean, the verdict of the ages? Yeah, I mean, every, everything throughout history, but isn't that true for you too? When you decided you had to go through what you were going through, didn't it get easier to just start going through it? Because everyone in this room has gone through something. You don't get here without going through something. And we fought and feared, and I don't want that to happen. But once we knew we were going, did we not double down? So faith is courage. Once I know I'm going, then I'm going to go forward confidently. Yes? Okay. So that all men of faith have courage. They trust their God. 
We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. That's why they talk to us about attraction rather than promotion. No one wants to hear what I think or feel until they see how I act. So, so what's important in recovery is showing people what your recovery looks like, not telling them what theirs should look like. And the right ones will find you because you can't give what you don't have. And the other thing they don't bother to tell you is you can't help but transmit what you do have. It's, there's a transaction of energy going all the time. Okay, so we ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once we commence to outgrow fear. Why do I want to identify my fears? Because when I start to have that experience rather than manifesting a self, I'm going to ask him to remove it and ask him what he would have me be. And I'm going to get an instruction in being. Be loving, be patient, be kind, be still, be quiet. Any of you know what I'm talking about? We often ask, what do I do? You're not the doer. Otherwise, they'd call you a human doing. You're a being. I need to know in my being what he would have me be in this situation. And at once, fear flees. Does it make sense? Some of you are feeling that. Who's feeling that? This is, this is instructions for living, guys. This isn't, this isn't complex, but you've got to put it into practice. That, that power in you, when it resonates, that's how we know who we are and whose we are. And we want to elevate everyone in the room to that status, right? Because that's how you change worlds. Okay, so now about sex. Power. Who said that? Where's that? There you go. I love your boldness, man. He needs it. Hey, when we get T-shirts, he needs what? So now about sex, he says, power. <laughs> Many of us needed an overhauling there, but above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off the track. Here, we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes, perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation. And then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex who bewail the institution of marriage who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it or it isn't the right kind. So look back in your experience. Have you been on both sides of the equation, perhaps? Yes. I know my meth addicts have. <laughs> not, not enough of it, not the right kind. <laughs> Some of you cocaine addicts, too. But everybody, that's a human thing, right? And, and what they talked to us about in an earlier chapter is that we're extreme examples of self-will run riot, and we don't think so. And now they're getting us to look at all these manifestations of self for various worldly desires and how we act out of our own moral code and how we end up feeling defeated. Does that make sense? Okay. So, so one school would allow man no flavor for his fare, and the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this controversy. Listen to the instruction to them through the ages. They want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. Why? Why are they so emphatic to say that twice? Because we all, we all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. Even if it's just in our thought life, we have problems, yes? And we're never very receptive of people telling us what we should be doing. You shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't think that way. You shouldn't act that way. That's never received well, is it? I just admitted powerlessness. I know I shouldn't think, feel, or act this way. I'm powerless to act other, another way. It isn't until power is evident to them and they believe themselves worthy of power do they move into it. That's our job, is to make sure, in spite of what they're doing, that their faults are not discussed. We stick to our own. Does that make sense? So, what can we do about them? So I said, we reviewed our own conduct over the years past. 
Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. That's kind of the essence of your 10th step for the rest of your life. Get disciplined in those things. Yes? Because in every situation, you're going to be looking at people, institutions, principles. You're always going to be confronting your own thoughts. If you'll sort through those things on the fly, you'll, you'll find you'll get in less kerfuffles. Yeah? So it says, in this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. How many of you want a future sex life? About a dozen of you. The rest of you are lying, just so you... Everybody, everybody does, even if it's just switching hands. Sorry. <laughs> but but, uh, <laughs> but the, the question, we're not asking the question, right? If you're going to have any kind of a future sex life or any relationship life whatsoever, wouldn't you like a sane and sound ideal for it first? This is the thing I like to call to attentions of groups that are not necessarily recovery groups. Why would anyone, I'll set up budgets, I'll set up business plans, I'll set up exercise plans, I'll do all kinds of things for every phase of my life, but when it comes to relationships, the fabric of my life, I don't want to make a plan. And it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why everyone doesn't do this to find out who they want to be and then start asking for power to grow into that person. So we subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? We asked God to mold. <laughs> you guys got to get your timing right, because otherwise I'm strung out for miles here. <laughs> Help us to live up to them. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good. Neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. Some people get a little funky with the word must, and they don't understand in the context of the text. They're not talking about a rule. They're saying, if I went to this much trouble to grow into a better human being, I must be willing to continue the journey. It's not a, it's not a must. It's a suggestion that this is what it's going to take to grow into the man I hope to be. Does it make sense? I must be willing to do it. How many of you just pay your gym membership and they'll call it good? You can, tell by, you can tell by our physique. People say, how's your workouts going? Good, I just paid the dues last month. We must be willing to make amends where we've done harm. Same thing. If I know the making of amends, taking captive every thought, subordinate it to the power within me, Right? and empowering the spirit to act through me better than I feel like acting, if I know that's what i got to do in order to outgrow who I've been, I must be willing or I wouldn't have gone this far. Does it make sense? So it says, have done and provided we do not bring about still more harm in so doing. In other words, we treat sex... Where's, the, where's my power rant? Oh. <laughs> he wasn't on cue, he's talking now as we would any other problem. So a lot of people make this about a sex inventory. It's really not. It's a relationship inventory. And they're talking to you, but they've only got so many pages. So it's all about all my relationships with people, institutions, principles, and I need to, right? So they're going to talk about how they get these ideals and then start asking for power to grow into them. So in meditation, we ask God power! what we should do about each specific matter. And I've got a pretty good list of specific matters because that was the purpose of the inventory. Does that make sense? It says the right answer will come if we want it. So promise and condition. The right answer will come if? What if I don't want it? How many of you got the right answer and thought you could improve upon it? So, you know, right is going to be proved by whether you acted out in accordance to the way it was delivered, but the fact of the matter is you're going to get the answer either way. And if you want to get in a conflict with yourself, quit ignoring the right answer when it comes to you. Not a judgment, 
If you want it to be more streamlined in your life, when you get one, even when it's hard, ask for more power to carry it out instead of trying to improve upon it. Does this make sense? Okay. So God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with other persons is often desirable. But we let God be the final judge. And then it says, we realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. So don't go taking a poll until you get the opinion you want. Because the power in you is going to make the ultimate decision for you, and then you're going to need power to carry it out. So you can talk to people to see how they navigated it, but the reality is every situation is different. They're as individual as you and whomever it is you're, or whatever institution or principle you're struggling with. Make sense? Suppose we fall short on the chosen ideal and stumble. There's a question mark there. How many of you thought you had to do everything perfect or wasn't worth doing? So we got to lose that, right? Because there's a lesson in the stumble too, okay? So does this mean we're going to get drunk? No. No, no. Some people tell us so, but it's only a half-truth. It depends on us and our motives. Now, that's a tricky one because people will convince themselves that they have a motive that their actions clearly don't show, which means they're either lying to me or they have not accessed power yet. I've known a lot of people dying in addiction that told me they had a motive and I sincerely believed them because I could feel them. They lacked the power. They had not invited the power to do something different. Does that make sense? Okay. So if we're sorry for what we've done and have the utmost or the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we'll be forgiven and we'll have learned our lesson. If we're not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we're quite sure to drink. We're not theorizing. These are facts out of our experience. They always talk about their experience, so they're not trying to chastise you. They're just saying we've worked with thousands. That's what the book is. Their first 100 and their experience were several thousand, and they know what works and what doesn't work based on that experience, and they're sharing it with you. It's not a judgment. So to sum up about sex, we earnestly pray for the right ideal, for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity, and for strength to do the right thing. If sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into working with others. We think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves, it quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache. I don't think we tell the new ones that as much as we should. You're going to start having desires raging up in you because you've been so dead in the spirit for some period of time. And you don't, if you don't want to get in a bunch of destructive activity, you really need to start helping people as quick as you can, whatever that looks like, and stay at it until the healing comes. Not keep coming back to meetings. Keep going out and finding wayward travelers just like you and lifting them up. If we've been thorough about our personal inventory, we've written down a lot. We've listed and analyzed our resentments, and we've begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. We've, begun to we've commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. We've begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies, for we look on them as sick people. So guys, you can't afford to have enemies. This is a have-no-enemies situation. Okay. We have listed the people we have hurt by our conduct and are willing to straighten out the past if we can. In this book, you read it again and again that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. You're going to have to believe in the process before you believe in the power. And then pretty soon you'll start believing in the power and the process. And at some point in your walk, you'll realize the power is the process and the process is the power. Does that make sense? Okay. So... We hope you're convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. If you've already made a decision and an inventory of your grosser handicaps, you've made a good beginning. That being so, you've swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about yourself. Thank you very much. I was watching.